First, you don't succeed. Try, try again. You learned this from great track teacher Chisma. No, from Mickey Mouse. Who? Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse is this great Eggman teacher. Yeah, sort of. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And we're back for season number two, also known as episode number 11. (laughs) And right at the top here, I want to mention that we have a few new plans for season number two. And one of them is that we're going to shift from doing about two episodes per month to doing just one episode per month, which that'll give us a little more time, free time. And it'll give James time to read something that we're not doing for the show. Um, Also, one positive side effect is if you want to go up to our website and suggest a topic, it gives us more time to switch to a different one. So if you would like to do that, the website is pavementpodcast.com, and you can go up there to the podcast queue page, and you'll find there the list of everything that we have done and everything we're planning on doing this season, as well as basically anything we could come up with to add to the list. And if you want to leave a comment there with something that you think we should do this season, then go for it. And I can say that we have a 100% fulfillment rate thus far for anyone who's left a comment there. Yes. It's only happened once. True story. But we did it. So for this season, what we're going to be doing is just rotating the selection. And we're going to go Colin will select one, and then James, and then I'll select one. And for the first episode of this season, Colin was on the hook to select something. So, Colin, why don't you... Introduce the topic. So this was uh, this is one of my favorite movies from the 1980s called Enemy Mine, based on the 1979 novella by Barry Longyear that yes. was published in uh, one of Isaac Asimov's science fiction magazines. Uh, I didn't know it was adapted at the time. I just really, really liked the plot of the movie. Uh, I remember watching it with my best friend Rob back then. Uh, liked the story a lot. Uh, was enchanted to find this, you know, the novella in the book and that you know, we could do it so soon in the season. So yeah. excited about that. Uh, the story of the movie is a little more tumultuous. Started with off with an idea with one director, and they spent a whole bunch of their budget, uh, and then they spent a whole bunch more of their budget and someone else's budget and somebody else's <laughs> pottle and can money to the tune of like though, forty million dollars. <laughs> fortunately, they made it all back. And no, they didn't. No, they didn't. No. Right, so we'll, we'll talk a little more about that as we get along. Um, I should note that this enemy mine is not based on the K. Hooper romantic novel so that's just i thought when, when i went and searched for the actual book like on amazon i was gonna say the, that was the first random. hit was this <laughs> romance novel so oh. so this is long year l-o-n-g-y-e-a-r barry long year yeah and it's it's not a slash romance with an alien it's about two guys stranded <laughs> on a planet they do have a baby though so you know, uh, <laughs> just saying well it's not theirs it's, two guys have it's a baby it's. what <laughs> yes um <laughs> yeah <laughs> Before Brokeback Mountain. <laughs> no. Okay, Brokeback Planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you mentioned that it's a 1979 novella, and it, it actually won both the Hugo and the Nebula. Yeah, it's a really novella. good story. So, yeah. You know, um, and it, it's based on a premise that has actually been around for quite a long time. Sure. Uh, in the 1960s and early right. 70s, there were a number of World War II movies made with the very same theme. Not, not two guys having a baby together, but <laughs> two people in a war, on opposite sides of the war, being stranded in an isolated place, needing each other to help survive, uh, finding food and water and fending off the elements. 
Yes. Uh, and, I, and I watched two of the movies that were mentioned on the Wikipedia article. They were Only the Brave and Hell in the Pacific. Right. And uh, that's, that's about all I want to say about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was one thing you did that, we, that neither James or I did. No. Um, so generally the way this works <clears throat> is we all read the story, we all watch the movie. And in this case, it's just the story and the movie. Colin went above and beyond and did some background research. So maybe we'll ask you a couple questions about those later. Okay. Thank you, thank you, thank you, me. And you haven't fallen asleep yet. No. If we had an award to give you, I'd give you one, but we don't. (laughs) The above and beyond the Call of Duty award? Yes. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, So we should mention, again, on on the website we have a link there to this book called Real Future, which is a collection of short stories that were all adapted into films, and we've done quite a number of them, I think, so far. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, three or four, I think. My goal is to eventually get through the entire book. Yeah, Totally. Oh, you mean to actually do podcasts for oh, everything? Yeah, totally. yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd like to read the whole thing. Because they're all I pretty awesome stories. So, Yes. And who doesn't like a good sci-fi flick? And a bad one. And a mediocre one. And right. anywhere in between. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's all good. It is. And, you know, we are here to talk about if it was good or bad. So, yeah, right. um, the, you know, it is a novella. It's kind of just barely outside that short story range and not quite too novel right. range. Though I think you can find it in, like, soft cover for, and it's like, 95 pages um, but I think it was only 30 or 40 in, in this bound set that we have so yeah well and it's worth mentioning that uh, the edition in Real Futures is not the one that was originally published this is an expanded version right, right. and that uh, there was a couple of follow up novels and then one book that kind of collected everything called the Enemy Mind Papers is that right? Correct. Enemy Papers yep. the Enemy, enemy Papers, papers. yeah, yeah. Uh, and it includes a, a Drac a language primer Awesome. And, you know, I found myself, you know, associating cool. like words and then trying to learn how to speak in Drac. And so, did you find the book? Uh, the yeah, or? it's a it's a Powell's. Oh, okay. No, the, the primer would have been interesting for the pronunciation, like long A's versus short A's. And yeah, is it like Gaby that. or long Gabby? Short yeah, exactly. But there's no doubt right. about how to say Kisload. True. True. And it's a great insult. I think we should all. Yeah, work that into conversation. I don't know, Mickey Mouse, man. <laughs> hey, don't, don't don't mess. Don't with diss the Mickey. Don't mess with the mouse. <laughs> don't diss right. the mouse. That's don't right. diss the mouse. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we'll, we'll talk a bit about the story and what, what we thought of it. Mm-hmm. Um, James, you want to go? Sure. Let's start with the story. Um, sure. Like you said, the story starts off with um, two guys get stranded on a planet and they're forced to cooperate to survive. Right. Well, um, yeah, well okay. So an alien. An alien uh, hermaphrodite, I suppose. Hermaphrodite. Yeah, you don't learn that until right. You don't learn that until later yeah. on. But anyways, it's an alien being and a human. They're at war. They're currently at war through the the galaxy. But in the process of a, a dogfight of sorts, they both land on a on a hostile planet, or I should say, a planet they're both in a system they're fighting over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the planet isn't particularly friendly in a natural way, and it's kind of a hostile planet to to them. Environmentally yeah. wise, however, they can still breathe, so that's convenient. And yeah, <laughs> it would make for a very short story otherwise. Right. Yes, <laughs> and two guys landed on a planet and died, and right. it was beautiful. And throughout the process of landing on a planet, uh, they are forced to cooperate to survive. Right, and against the elements, against the elements, against and if you're going from the movie perspective, against creatures. Right. Yeah. So um, we should mention that in broad you know. strokes, the story is the same. Right. It it's starting with war in space. Sure. And I mean, the human pilot shoots down the The basic premise is the same. You know, yeah. The two guys, they, go, they fall, they, ice, like Holland said earlier, they're isolated mm-hmm. and forced to work together to cooperate. 
yeah. to survive, or the forest to cooperate to survive. Yeah, so something that I liked about the story over the movie was the fact that they landed in water, which is just more likely on most planets that right. have water. I mean, I guess on Earth, if, if something's going to hit the Earth, it's likely going to hit water because there's so much of it, right? Right. Um, so, yeah, landing there, the, like the stakes were really high, really quick. Right. Um, because the ability to survive at sea like that, that's, that, that's it's tough to do. It's hostile, mm-hmm. yeah, compared yeah. to surviving on the Earth. Yeah, yeah. and or so that's, that's what sound. first brings them together, right? Right. Yeah, trying well, to survive against the waves that were uh, attacking the Drax landing capsule, which had all their f- supplies in it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the few mm-hmm. supplies they had, and trying to make sure they didn't get washed away when these waves hit. Because they didn't actually, right. they hit on a little right. island. Oh, that's right. right? Yeah. And yeah, then yeah. they had to drag the capsule up to the top of the island, and they surrounded it with rocks so that it wouldn't wash away, mm-hmm. and then they were both inside of it. And right. Yeah, and I think I think the story and then the rocks is, ended up washing away, and they washed away. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and and part of it too was we need to try and get to a larger landmass. Right, right. And so that's that takes some convincing, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. So you got the gist of the story is it? Um, they end up cooperating. They end up learning more about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns out the Drock the Drock are very um, into their lineage, and yeah. it's very honorable to be able to. Recite your line as far back to Jock origins, mm-hmm. and in that in that sense, um, forget his name now. Jeriba, no, nope, David, guy. David, Davidge, Davidge, yes. Willis Davidge. There you mm-hmm. go. David Davidge learns Jeriba's line, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's in a way of you know honoring and respecting him to prove yeah. that he does in fact respect him, so they can further their cooperation. And Jeriba tries to learn his line, even though it's not much there. Right, right. He, he knows maybe there. a generation of his lineage. Uh, it's not, you know, it's not something that's instilled in the typical American. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and say that because that's not true it was for all of Earth. Right. Yeah. He was definitely but American. Is definitely American. Yeah, he's definitely America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, he had, Jeriba ends up having a a child on the planet, and. Again, they're forced to work together for survival because without Davidge's help, the child would have, wouldn't have survived. Wasn't there? There was something at stake for the child needing to survive, right? So, like it's the hundredth. It's the two hundredth child, and yeah. it, there's, right. that's a special connotation, right? And um, and he had had some failed deliveries, hadn't he? He'd had had a miscarriage. Yeah. Well, so, it had had a miscarriage. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're, we're using yeah. he, and the, the the story and the movie are both good about using that's it true. instead of he. Yeah. So right. at least once Davidge. That was one of the that. things I noticed actually about the story was how good it was at using it. Yeah. And it, I guess it makes sense because it is neither a he or a she, mm-hmm. but it also serves to alienate him. Alienate yeah, it makes him other is, big time. Obviously, he's something else besides human. It's an it. Yeah. yeah. It's an it. And I think that's, <laughs> the, that's one of the things I liked about both the story and the alien was that, that something separate didn't have to be bad. Mm-hmm. And in the case mm-hmm. of, uh, of Jerry... It was actually pretty good, right? The Drac were a race of, of philosophers, right. yeah. and they have this strong family tendency. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a race of philosophers and very honorable, I think, and you know, rooted in tradition. Yeah. Right. And, of course, anytime there's a war like this, both sides are going to feel like the other side started it, right? Yes. Now, oh, sure. a, as, yeah. as, <laughs> as the humans, w- even you know, knowing our history, we're like, yeah, we started it. It was us. Um, big time. Well, if you look at how the, his training was depicted, right? They're right. introduced to a drac, and everything is derogatory and negative. Yeah. It's not scientific. It's not objective. Mm-hmm. He's taught right. enough drac language to say that your lead, your lead philosopher eats shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Although, you know, on the counter side, you know, Jerry did know about Mickey Mouse. He did know about <laughs> Great <laughs> philosopher, Mickey Mouse. Yes. yes. He insulted Mickey Mouse, yes. Yeah, no, yeah, they, they know just enough to kill them and to rile them, right? Because yes. they're, they're, they're like, these are very logical beings, and if you get them pissed off, they won't fight as well. And so that's why they were taught that invective against the... She's ma. She's ma. Yes. <laughs> nice. Well and, it, and that's one like of the it. things that I think is that draws it out. You know, the Drac. He was quite happy being alone, and it's really uh, uh, da- Davidge. Mm-hmm. Davidge's thing about being lonely, mm-hmm. and so as he becomes lonelier and more separated from humans, he begins to try and draw Jerry out just for conversation, mm-hmm. yeah. and has to apologize for uh, you know insulting their lead philosopher and needing to learn mm-hmm. their language. And Jerry learns English back, right? Um, and that culminates in a pretty strong friendship, right? That. Uh, Provides the, like the last third of the book's yep. plot, so Jerry dies in childbirth, mm-hmm. and as he's dying, he makes Davidge promise: you will, you'll take my child, and you'll take him to the place of the Drac archives, and you will mm-hmm. read his lineage for him, so that he'll be part of the. Of no, the no, family. you'll teach him his lineage and make him recite it in front of the council. Yeah, right. Because that's yeah. a, that's that's like the it's like his bar coming mitzvah. of coming of yeah. There you go, coming of age part of the ceremony yeah. confirmation. As you you stand in front of the council of Drock and recite your lineage, and yeah. they all go, "Yay, you're awesome!" Yes, yep. you now exist right. officially. Yeah, and so now he's he has to survive on his own and raise his child in an alien race that he and he knows mm-hmm. nothing about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he could have done things like you've seen in uh, there was a Deep Space Nine episode where a Bajoran trader had a son kind of son, and you can't tell that I'm moving my, my fingers in quotes, yeah, air quotes who was Cardassian. An adopted and child. And he was, he was taught to hate himself in his whole race because he was being right. raised by a Bajoran. Oh. And given the man Willis Davidge was in the beginning of the story, that could have definitely happened. Sure. But mm-hmm. he didn't. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, well, like, uh, at one point the baby says, you have five fingers and I have three. When mm-hmm. do I grow my extra fingers? Yeah. Right. And he explains, you, you won't. You are a drac and I am a human. And there's never right. any value discussion in there. He right. did have a hard time Different. Uh, ex- trying to explain the differentiation, I think, um, to Jameis. What is his name? Zamis. 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 Yes. Zamis. Zamis. You're yes. talking about Jameis from Dune, but you haven't read <laughs> oh, Dune, right, so no, you don't even no. know. That. <laughs> oh, that's adapted sci-fi. I was a friend of we're Dune. We're gonna. We got him now, yeah. Seth. Yes. <laughs> you walked into it, man. Now we're, we're gonna have to add that. I mean, it's on the list, right? So. October. True. October. We've already got that planned, man. Rats. November. Yeah. We've got that planned. We've got it planned like through. Late next year, so. Yes. But right. uh, as we mentioned, if uh, a listener contacts us and says, "No, you've got to do Dune," then we'll figure out how to get it in. Then the I case. might be convinced. Those yeah, of right. you that want to make James read a book, go to the website and say, <laughs> "Yes, <laughs> you do." You've got please. a month now, man. So <laughs> should Touché. should be able to work that. Yeah. Anywho, um, so the, kind of the ending of the book or the story. I want to make sure we got there because that's the. The part that's completely different and annoys me with the movie. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's <laughs> let's table that then. We'll we'll talk about the the parts that differ, kind of after we talk about. Well, the no, film. I know we'll talk about the parts that differ. I just wanted to make sure we got to that part in the book. Um, oh, okay. So you actually want to discuss plot it now. summary? Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he ends up. And of course, we're going full spoilers here because we always do because oh, right. we, we give you a month to read and, this stuff. And yes. it's old. And it's old enough too. I think. Yeah. So. Yeah, I agree. You know, so so like we said, he Jeruba uh, Drive dies in childbirth, mm-hmm. uh, giving birth to Zamus, and Davidge raises him all raises him like a proper drock for all intents mm-hmm. and purposes, as much as he could, being human, mm-hmm. which would be an interesting topic to discuss, maybe in uh, later how he could have not have, if he didn't know any better, I suppose. 
Yeah. Like imagine well, if if Jerba had gone into labor much earlier in the in the plot. And, and didn't know the language yeah, exactly. or anything. Yeah. Oh. Uh, but anyway, so after he te- he raised uh, so Davidge raises Zamus, mm-hmm. and eventually they do get off the planet and go their separate ways, and and they have to go through the bureaucratic red to tape get, right. to uh, to get him recognized, right? Right. To get him recognized, and well, Davidge goes through his own story of sorts as well, right? Mm-hmm. He, he oh, I guess this is never right there. So yeah. he, and when they get off the planet, he's he is rescued because he got injured hiking to the survey ship. And Drock, or Zamus after, actually after got rescued the by bottle. the Drock survey ship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, Davidge makes it back to Earth and experiences a lot of anti-Jack. Uh, well, it, yeah, at this point, the war is over, right? There's, right? there's a treaty. Right, the yes. war is over, but everybody still hates the Drack anyway. Sure, sure. I mean, that's very much like World War II, right? That right. There's a lot of still anti-German and anti-Japanese. Anti-Japanese, anti-Japanese yeah. yeah. Or Vietnam, same mm-hmm. thing. Sure. Or... Pick any other minority in right. in America. Yeah, yep, <laughs> yeah. pretty much. Yeah, there was a discussion about how all these out of work fighter pilots are, are draining the economy, mm-hmm. and uh, Davidge has this this particular issue because he spoke full Drac, and right. so he was you know accused of being a Drac lover. They called right. it or a, being uh, a traitor. Right, he might be a, a sleeper, sleeper yeah. agent right. kind of thing. And uh, he has a really hard time reintegrating, and he's driven by this promise that he made to Jerry that he would be there mm-hmm. and 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 uh, go through the lineage with him. So he uh, gets money in a way that really doesn't matter. It's not important. Uh, and goes to the Drac homeworld because he well, wants to see Zamus. You know what I Zanus. find kind of ironic about that or odd about uh-huh. that? Is that he, he, got a bu- he's, he mentioned specifically he got a bunch of back pay because he had been away from Earth for so long. He thought he was dead for years, right? Right, like 80,000 credits or something? Yeah, yeah. He got a hell of back pay. How did he still need money to get the Drac? It's expensive. And there was a whole series <laughs> of bribes he had to give because it's, it's one big toll road. So yeah, even as he's trying to get to the Drac homeworld, where he thinks made it Zamus sound like is, he had tons of money from this back pay, and then all of a sudden he lost—I don't know if he lost some of it or just needed to get well more. But he, he was on the terror watch list, and they froze his funds. <laughs> yeah. Touche. Could be right. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Anyway, I'll let you continue. Yeah. <laughs> so the Drac don't want him to come either, and so he's—you know—it took him six months to get once he was on the planet to get out right. of isolation. He had mm-hmm. to bribe a bunch of people. He shows up to. Uh, Zamus's grandfather's house, and they mm-hmm. don't know that he's alive, right? Right. And so they have to go find out. And then you kind of get to see the other side of the story. Mm-hmm. So the other side of the story right, is how, there's how a, the Drak treated a, a returning Drak. Yeah, a Drak that loved a yeah. human because it had raised him what, like a parent, yeah, yeah, or an uncle, which is what he called him, right? Um, and find out he's been put into an insane asylum just because he missed, right. you know, his father, yeah. Well, I think also too because he loved humans. Yeah. Well, yeah. so one thing I, I'm not a huge fan of the ending of the, of this story, but I did like that it at least showed. Okay, it's not just that the humans are bad. Mm-hmm. There's yeah. you know there's there's screwed up stuff in both societies, mm-hmm. right? And they don't know how to deal with with what happened. Yeah, and the only people that do know how to deal with one another are the people that were enemies on this planet, stuck yeah. alone. And then as he begins to prove himself to the Jeriba family. That you know he's he's okay. Not only can he speak the language, but that he knows something right. only one of them would have known, which tells them his family that he became friends with right. Jeriba. Well, that's how he, that's how he proves it, right? That's how he proves who he is and what he's saying is true. He By recites, reciting the he lineage. Recites lineage, yeah. And yeah. that and after that they go find Zamus and end up taking off back to the planet. And, yeah, I guess yeah. it wasn't that ending that really bothered me. It's it don't they go back to the place where they crashed? 
Yeah, and he he lives there and is like an old sage there, mm-hmm. and that that kind yeah. of I don't know. It seemed tacked on, like it could have ended earlier, more abruptly. Yeah. It's one thing that I maybe. like about short stories, and I, I guess novellas maybe are a little longer. So a short mm-hmm. story, you kind of expect an abrupt ending, mm-hmm. where well, where not it's it's a little more fleshed out. And I I didn't. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't, know, I don't mind the ending because of the what, I guess what it meant. Well, what it meant to me, maybe I suppose, was that the they they the Jeroboam family took off from the Dracom world completely. Mm-hmm. They, they sold all his lands and houses yeah. and stuff. Took off to this planet, named the planet Friendship, and then from Zamis's child onward, they sent every child they had from then on out up to live with Davidge for a time in the yeah. cave. In the cave, and yep. that that was to establish this relationship with humans and sure. not so much humans in general, but tolerance. Yeah, yeah. I think. Even though yeah. that wasn't necessarily happening on the other side. Wasn't right, exactly. Yeah. It wasn't happening on either side, really. The right. Jacks still yeah, hated yeah. humans, the humans still hated Jacks. But you hmm. get to this one planet where they're taught tolerance of yeah. each other. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. And I think it also brings his his arc to a close. Because you go from a man that is right. you know, deeply I guess you call it racist, because he's against an alien race yeah. for lack of a better word. And but Speciest. fatally flawed, right? He doesn't know his family, <laughs> he's afraid to be by himself. Right. Um, he's he's kind of adrift. And yet at the end, here he is living alone in this cave. Mm-hmm. He's now complete mm-hmm. in himself. He's that's able to point. deal with the loneliness. That's true. He's yeah. enlightened. Well, that, I mean, yeah. that's just kind of one of the consequences, right, of being um, the Drax, being the, what is it, not not hermaphroditic, right? Um, parthenogenic. Parthenid- no, parthenogenic is... Uh, virgin birth. Virgin birth, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, asexual. Essentially, reproduction, yeah. which yeah. I, you know, the, the science part of my brain <laughs> kind of goes, hey, how would that work in terms of a science complex, fiction? A complex organism with asexual <laughs> reproduction doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, no, you were, yeah, no. we had this talk. No genetic yeah. diversity, no, um, no advancement, no mm-hmm. anything. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I think one consequence of, of that very linear society w- would have been maybe like we talked about earlier, like solitude is okay, where, where humans are much more social. So yes, and so yeah, I think I think he definitely did sort of progress. I hadn't I hadn't caught that, but it's good. Right. So overall thoughts about the story? What do you think? Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I really liked it. Yeah. I like yeah. the the overall theme. Yeah, and, and it's cool because I mean it's the a, lessons that you can learn from it. Yeah, definitely. And and actually, I think I, I'm I'm higher on it now than I I was earlier. So nice job, guys. Yeah. Looking and, forward uh, to learning some Drac. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, I keep saying Drac. You keep saying Drac. I'm <laughs> like, mm, crap. Well, they said Drac in the movie. So, yeah, that's true. Um, we're assuming they got that right. So, you know, this it is a nice length of a story. Like, I was at a swim meet, so mm-hmm. I read it during one session. And, yeah. And that, that was very, very doable. It's, it's easily readable in an afternoon. Mm-hmm. So that's one of the great things about the short that's stories. That's why and I like these short stories. Yeah. So I get that, them done that's like why you don't evening. want to do Dune, right? You're like, <laughs> oh, it's going to take weeks. Yeah. Well, and you know, well, something else I w- I'd like to sidebar for a second because uh-huh. you know, in the interim while we were not podcasting, uh, Stephen King published uh, a blog posting or magazine article where he talked about his new upcoming movie, uh, A Good Marriage. And he made the statement that he thought that 100 or 200 pages was just exactly the right length to adapt. Yeah. Mm. Right? And so yeah. I, it made me th- think about the... Uh, the fourth seasons anthology that he wrote, where Apt Pupil, Stand by Me, and the Shawshank Redemption came out of, um, and then were they, were they after, all that that length? Uh, they're all a little bit longer than that, oh, okay. actually. Yeah, and there's a fourth one that has never ever been made into a movie, uh, oh. the Lamaze the Lamaze Method. 
that sounds like an interesting one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should push to have that one done. Uh, uh, that's on, uh, I got to edit that out. Yeah, no, no, leave that in. <laughs> <laughs> that's what, no, okay. We should push to get that one out. I don't know how you let that one <laughs> go by. <laughs> James whiffing on the that's what she said. Yeah. Um, we, we, you got to send me that article because I'll, I'll put it in the show notes. Oh, okay. So. Yeah. All right. So why don't we uh, transition to talk about the film? The film. So 1985 film. 1985. Um, for my part, I don't think I saw this one in the theater. I have some memories of it, and I had mm-hmm. some pretty fond memories of it. And I think I saw it like on an afternoon movie after I was married. But I think I saw it on television. You know, not not the theatrical cut. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I missed in it, but I remember enjoying it. But I gotta say, it 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 didn't hold up to know, the it, story. Yeah, like the memory I had you. of it was very fond, and then watching it this time it didn't do anything for me. You know, I wonder if that's a function of having read the story to have it to compare it against, or d- just looking at it 30 that, years later. That does seem to be the trend with us, is that we're liking the stories more than the movies. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty, un- it's pretty common, right, that you like the book right. or the short- story better. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, that could have definitely Except had an Park, effect. Except Jurassic Park, apparently. Well, no, Colin still liked the book better. Well, no, yeah. we all know Colin's wrong. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, but... I think I think yeah the the thirty years also it it, it hasn't aged very well right no. I mean the graphics are not very good the animatronics are cool but but not awesome yeah you know, we should say that there weren't a lot of special effects in the movie it's true and and the ones that were in right. there are a little half baked yeah but I mean okay so what so are you talking about the electric ship was fantastic <laughs> whatever <laughs> that, <laughs> that one was pretty <laughs> no, cool no that was all right um, okay. <laughs> so my main problem with the film is that Star Trek did an adaptation of it no fewer than twice that's better than the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the right. the episode The Enemy where Geordi and the Romulan are stuck on Galorndon Core, and it's scary. I know that I know the name of that planet. Yes. Um, right. And then there's Darmok, the one with Picard and the and the metaphorical speaking. Alien, yes. Uh, uh, Paul. Paul Winfield. Paul Winfield. Yeah. And which is one of my favorite episodes ever. And so that's why I kind of, that's, it's not an adaptation of this story, right? But it's an adaptation of the idea in a way. Yeah, it's as much uh, Hell in the Pacific and Only the Brave is an adaptation. It's, sure. it's that scenario. Right. But I think that, well, go how, on and talk about how it. How do enemies come together, right? That's, yeah. That's the thing. And I do like what happens in the story and what happens in the movie about what brings them together. And we'll talk about that. But... The execution of everything else, I feel like, is, is it's kind of half-baked, right? You, you, in a short story or novella, you can drop the reader in into the middle of a scene, and we don't care. We don't mind, right? Right. And you can end pretty abruptly, and that's great. Um, in a movie, y- you want to set up the characters, right? They're, what is the reason that we should root for Davich at all? And maybe we shouldn't. Yeah. But he's pretty unlikable at the beginning. There's nothing, nothing done to introduce him as a hero, other than he's the human. Right. And so that's, that's one of the weak points of, of it for me. It's like, I, I'm not going to root for this guy. He's kind of an idiot. I mean, he's real gung-ho, right? right. He, he, he shoots down Jerry well, maybe that's the and point, then right? follows him in to confirm the kill. And that's why right. he crashes. Yeah. And that's why his co-pilot dies. Right. You yeah. could have saved that kid's life. Yeah. So I, I think I would have, in, in an adaptation of this, I would have wanted to add something on to the beginning to introduce the entire thing. All the, we, we get this voiceover, right, that says... Humans have established peace on their homeworld, so now naturally they're doing war out in the stars against <laughs> other races. Right. Um, right. And, you know, not that it's 
Is that the human natural state to be at war? <laughs> Probably. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. You saying are married, aren't you? <laughs> I'm not saying that it's weird or anything that 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 would happen. It's just, I don't know. I think like Orson Scott Card on his um, 20th or 25th anniversary edition audiobook of Ender's Game uh-huh. talked about how he, you know, that was originally a novella, and then he expanded it into a book. And he said the way you expand a novella into a book is you you don't beef up all the stuff that's in the novella. You add to the beginning, you add to the end, and then, you know, you make that all work through the middle. And I feel like that's what is missing from this adaptation, is we don't... They did add an ending, and it sucked, right? So they could have done something different, I think, that would have worked. Yeah, I'm going to disagree with you here. And I I think that... Of course you are. Yeah. (laughs) I I think that if they had made a more faithful adaptation... Stay closer to... No, no, no. No, no, wait, wait, wait. I think if they had stayed more faithful, it would have been better than the movie that was made. Okay. But maybe not as great as the movies that you insist must happen when you take stuff that does work and then break it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So so I'll clarify. I agree. I agree. Okay. They they could have made a a more faithful adaptation that would have been a better movie. Yeah. Right? Now, I'm not saying that... Because one of the differences, right, in in the film, they're never... On the water, there, there's a pool, um, but they're pretty much on land the whole time. They're not threatened by waves; they're threatened by meteors. And the underground and the underground thing with Chekhov's gun, Chekhov's gun thing, the sarlacc, the sarlacc, the sarlacc triffid, triffid head. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so we we're watching the movie together, which was nice to do again. And I hope we do yeah, more of that this coming definitely. up season. Well, that's one other reason for doing the monthly thing, right? So we can schedule things a little more easily. Yeah. And out of the ground. Uh, and you you see him before, and so you you know that this is going to be a problem. Right, Out they, of the they ground comes up, yeah. the Triffid Stinger yeah. from one of the movies. We're yeah. like, that's a Triffid head. Well, it's like that weird snake thingy in uh, Prometheus, too, right? That right. breaks that guy's arm yeah. and gets into a suit. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and w- remember, I think one of us said, oh, we're going we're to be seeing that oh, thing yeah. again. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, totally. There was a very, very noticeable setup, because yeah. otherwise, why would you include it And not that that hasn't ever happened, but... Yeah. Um, so, back back to the faithful versus non-faithful. Okay. I, I wasn't pleading for an unfaithful adaptation. I think this is a good example of a movie that is pretty faithful and didn't end up being very good. Um, doing a faithful adaptation or a pretty faithful adaptation doesn't guarantee you're going to make a good film. True. Um, and, yeah, there's definitely places where they diverged that they didn't need to. But I think they could have diverted, diverged and in a way that would have worked. stupid crap they added that they didn't need to. Yeah. So let's, let's talk a little <laughs> about the movie, right? The original budget is $17 million. <laughs> right. And they, I don't remember who the director was that they had on. Wolfgang Peterson, maybe? No, he's the one who no, finished it. he's the one that he finished, finished it. Yeah. Then I don't remember yeah. the original So I don't remember who either. the original one was. But evidently they got to a certain point and went, this is crap. We don't like it. Yeah, right. creative differences. Yeah, creative differences. So they bring in a new director. They just circular file everything that they shot with the original guy. Which was shot, I think, like on location in Iceland or something. Yeah, they had shots in Iceland and I can't remember wherever somewhere, somewhere. Which makes it sound Europe, like yeah. the book because yeah. they yeah, talked about the long winter and how they were, you know, mm-hmm. there was ice on everything. Yeah. So then once they started doing the reshoots with Wolfgang Peterson, it's all on a soundstage, right? Yeah. And which is a bummer because because I it reminds we, you of Star Trek, the original series, yeah. Oh yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. a bit. Here, um, pick up this rock and throw it. Right. You know, we've we've talked in the past, like we. Most, I think all three of us are pretty much like, yeah, practical effects better than CG. Yes, right. on yeah. location better than soundstage. Yes. N- understanding, of course, that some work on a soundstage is inevitable. Yeah. Not completely inevitable, but pretty much. Well, that's why movies cost so much nowadays. Yeah. So where, where so were the, the film shot? The, the film began production in Budapest and Iceland. And it, the original direction was with Richard Longcrane. Hmm. What else has he done? Richard uh, III, Wimbledon, Firewall. 
Band of Brothers. Wow. He must have learned from Enemy Mine. I guess. I mean, that's that's a lot of on-location stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah, so anyhow, they they switch directors, they burn through all kinds of cash, and end up spending around $40 million right. on the budget. And, and only, only made back 22 Yeah. Wow. Well, early, early on, they forecasted going over budget with Lone Crane. Before, I mean, that, in addition to, to the creative differences, there was a few executive changes in Fox yeah. going on at the time. Mm-hmm. And it all kind of, I think, snowballed to get rid of him and bring in Wolfgang and... And then he just kind of erased everything that was previously done. Yeah, yep. it was just bad, I guess. What? Uh, and this isn't, it was released near Christmas time. And it's not a very Christmassy movie. No. Kind of bad timing. Yeah. yeah. And it, it was, also yeah, wasn't more marketed like a summer well. movie, right? Yeah. For sure. At least these days. Oh, yeah, totally. It would have been like more of a summer blockbuster or something. Although you, you, the positive message is pretty nice. But if yeah. you were going to go see a sci fi in the 80s, you weren't looking for a positive message. You were looking for spaceship battles, right? Uh, <laughs> uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, right? Especially uh, in the mid, yeah, mid eighties for sure. Yeah, criminals <laughs> dumped in toxic slime, then hit by cars, and <laughs> yes. <laughs> when did the last Starfighter come out? Eighty five, eighty four, eighty four. So that's that's an interesting thing because because you have a character that looks a lot like the Lou Gossett Jr. character, yeah, uh, Greg, mm-hmm. and it's such a better movie though than uh, than any yes. line. But sorry, a sidebar. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about some positives from the film, right? Um, I thought Lou Gossett Jr. was really good. Oh, yeah. And I, I feel like the, the chief failure of the movie is that it wasted a good performance from him. I didn't think Dennis Quaid was right. anything spectacular. I didn't think it was spectacular either. Actually, oddly enough, looking at the, the, the cover art and you know, the f- pictures of him mm-hmm. with his beard, yeah. totally didn't look like Dennis Quaid to me. No, no. I was like, no. that's Dennis Quaid? Wow. And then he shaves and I'm like... Oh yeah, totally Dennis Quaid. <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, his 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 beard in the later parts of the movie should have been an accredited extra. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> so Dennis Quaid and Dennis Quaid's beard. Like, yes, yeah, Dennis Quaid's beard double. <laughs> um, uh, you know, I didn't think he he may not have played that well against Louis Gossett Jr. because all he had to do was be a jerk. But when he's yeah. raising the kid, then I think he he shines. But that might have just been me, right? I love that kind of a story. Sure. Yeah. No. No. And and I'm not I'm not saying that everything he did was wrong. It's just. He was, he was outclassed, right? So once once Jerry's off the screen, then then yeah, you're you're acting mm. against. He's the got kid a chance. And to no, shine. Nobody's gonna like the kid, right? Yeah. So, uncle. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, bit of trivia about the uh, Lewis Gossett Jr. Yes, about yeah. him, that guy. Uh, the, the way he talked, right, was was something that he improvised that, that he brought to the character. That the the, the gurgling oh, cool. sound was not something that was right. called for. No. No, in fact, he in Wikipedia it talked about how he used to practice doing that as a child, and he kind of brought it in as a way to make his voice, you know, more alien, more oh, unearthly. Yeah. Right. Um, that was really cool. I I did like it. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Like the, the whole singing aspect, I think, was just you know over the top. Yeah. I th- no, I thought that was a cool mm-hmm. science fiction element to it. Right. How how would you, if you were going to do these big genealogies, you know, and 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 try and remember them, right? One useful tool for memorizing lists of things is to turn it into a song, right? It is I mean, for us. It's an ABC song, right? Yeah. I mean, there's the books of the Bible song. There's, there's all kinds of stuff that you can, you can make a song out of it. You're going to be able to remember it better. So. Right. Okay, so other positives. Uh, well, yeah. Positives all by itself, it's still a good science fiction movie. It's yeah. not great. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying right. that the movie is crap. Yeah. Um, it, it was okay. And like we, um, we watched this one at my house, and I think all our sons actually sat through it, right? 
So you're, did you bring both your boys or just one? I think just one. Okay. And, and my son was there as well. And they, they sat through the movie. Um, my Mine son was not. Well, yours are still, you know, yes. in the chamber. <laughs> <laughs> so you gotta, gotta, you're still shooting blanks. We so. have to rip open your chest and pull it out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, no, but, you know, I think they both were okay with it. My, my son said, yeah, you know, it was, it was all right. It was kind of dumb. And that's just because he wanted more things to blow up, I think. Yeah. Right. Well, like I said, what do you expect out of a science fiction movie in yeah, the yeah. 1980s? Mm-hmm. And maybe it's not that much different from a science fiction movie in 2010. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, and so it's not really surprising that, that rather than just adapting the core story, which is about this relationship building, this, this cultural exchange that goes on between the men, you know, they had to add that action scene at the end. Yeah, and yeah. that that's so, a bummer. So let's talk about the differences. One is the planet is not doesn't have a lot of water. It's just mm-hmm. a regular planet, but it's still very lifeless. Mm-hmm. There there are trees, and there are things they can eat. And there's the you know underground triffid sarlacc, sarlacc thing mm-hmm. uh, that has a memory because eventually it, it comes and attacks Jerry, which is why Jerry dies in childbirth. Jerry yep. doesn't die naturally. Can I sidebar here uh, sure. about that creature? <laughs> right, that that thing comes out, and and the little. Um, Centauran slug thing from, from Star Trek Two that's jumbo size. Oh uh-huh. yeah, totally. You know, it, it gets trapped in the pit and gets eaten. Right. Remember, right. and then that's how it, it's introduced. And as it's pulling yep. it down, I remember saying, "We're gonna have a belch here." <laughs> and sure enough, there it is. I mean, I mean, and th- this is one of the things that I think that I object to the movie. A lot of it is very by the numbers. Yeah, it so, dials mm-hmm. it in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry. Um, no, no, you're, you're um, exactly right. Yeah. Uh, and so some of the other differences, there was, there's some discussion that I'm kind of hazy about that people thought that because the name, the title of the movie had a, had mine in it, that it needed right. a mining operation or mining ship Yeah. where the, in the book it's really clear, right? It's my enemy reverse, which makes it yeah. enemy mine mm-hmm. instead of an enemy mine where your enemies are forced to work right. because yeah. they're captured drag slaves. Minors, yeah. not minors. <laughs> <laughs> you lost me. <laughs> that, that was a Galaxy Quest reference. Gotcha. Oh, yeah. There's no way any of them are over 18. Minus, not minus. <laughs> yep. You lost me. So while Davidge is raising Zammies, uh, he sees a ship land. And they're kind of worried because there are scavengers that go to planets and rape them for their natural resources. Well, there's also the question, right? Is this going to be humans or is this going to be Drac? And who knows what will happen based on... right. Which side is, it, yeah. finds who, yeah. And it turns out that the people that are landing on the planet, they are slavers. Mm-hmm. And... Um, they capture Zamis and they ship Davidge back to the space station for recovery. And that part is kind of more similar to the book. The war is still ongoing. They don't ship him back for, co- for recovery. They ship him back thinking he's dead. That's right. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, because he gets shot. Yeah, yeah, and he's in the body bag. Right, he's and in the body like, bag. Uh, and it doesn't it gets... say what religion this one is. Put right. a wreath on him and ship him out the door. <laughs> yeah. There's no tag. I forget why they opened the body bag up, but they do. And then he pops up. Blah! Yeah. 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 And then it's a zombie story from there. Right. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so then his job is to go back and rescue Zamis from these slavers. Mm -hmm. And they're mining the planet. And he has to convince the Drax slaves that he's on their side. And while it starts off being a Davidge versus uh, bit part bad guy man, whose Mm -hmm. name is Brian James. Oh, he's been in a ton of stuff. He's been in a, yeah. Yeah. You know, he's got that snaggletooth kind of blonde hair growl. Mm -hmm. And he he does it really, really well. (laughs) Um, but an- eventually, it's the it's the Drax slaves that rise up and stop that from happening. And no, it, they don't. They not, don't at not all. Not really. They no. they total. They're about to rise up. Yeah. And then the humans arrive. 
Yep. And the humans don't do yeah, anything. The humans but rather the drags the don't do anything either. And this shooting. is one. This is like my main problem with the movie. Okay, talk like, about it. So I don't object to the miners, the, the scavenger miner slaver people. I do. Just put that out there. Okay, fine. But I, I, I will <laughs> put forward that it is possible to make that work. And the sure. fact that it didn't isn't because it existed, right? It just was very poorly executed. Because I think the right way to do it is to have the slaves revolt, right? Yes. And, and, and rescue Davich, um, which doesn't, doesn't really happen because, because the human characters come to mm-hmm. rescue him at the same time. And then they get there and they don't do anything. Um, the whole solution, the, the situation kind of resolves itself, and that's another thing. It's like, well, okay, what just happened? You know, I just, uh, you were saying earlier how you liked the, the kind of Star Trek Next Generation reinterpretations of this. Yeah. I think if they had tried in this movie to go for a sci-fi drama movie instead of a sci-fi action movie, yes. it might have ended up a lot better. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And, and so like I was saying, like an action sequence in a drama movie is fine if it's sure. executed well. I just feel like this right. one, it was tacked on, it felt rushed. Um, it and felt out feel, of place. As it well. felt out of place. It, well, yeah. it could have felt in place if it had been executed correctly. And so, Maybe. It, I ding it on the technical execution of that, not on the existence of it. Though I, right, okay, yeah, I do object to it existing in that in the way that it does. So. <laughs> right. Well, could, like to go back to your idea about having the Drax uprise. Mm-hmm. So you could see the humans fighting against one another, the humans winning, mm-hmm. and then the Drax. That being a distraction, so the Drax can come over and take over the ship. Mm-hmm. They kill the humans. They're about to kill Davidge, and who pops up but Zamis? There we go. And Zamis is speaking human, saying, "No, don't kill Uncle." Yeah, that would have been a great, touching way to end the human movie. or right. English hmm. speaking in English, and then speaking in Drax to his right. his yeah, cohorts. Yeah. Which yeah. kind of links to another uh, trap? Uh, was it typical sci-fi trope, I suppose. Where every other planet's end up only having like really one language and one culture right. and yeah, yeah, the Drac language, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. the Drac um, language, the Drac planet. I, I will, I will say though that well, yeah, like a multi-world society on right. having the same language, yeah, uh-huh. that doesn't work. Yeah, um, <laughs> everyone speaks Terran common. What are you saying? Right. It certainly doesn't right. work without faster than light travel, but precisely. But I, um, I, I was some, something else I noticed that that trope throughout the book and the novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the movie. Well, so my other thing was about the ending that I would have liked to have seen the war end and Zamis and mm-hmm. Davich and maybe the uprising thing being part of that, a catalyst for that. And I think that could have been a way to wrap up the movie mm-hmm. better to have him travel to the homeworld and have him be the, one of the instruments of, you know, the treaty happening right. because there's no mention in the movie that the war is over because it's only taking place over a year or so. I, I mean, I guess the timeline is the same, but yeah. But there's nothing about, well, we're, there's peace now. We're, we're good. Right. So, but that's, that's something that I think in a good adaptation of it would have been to show that actually happen. And it would have been a nice nod back to the book because Zama yeah. says he wants to grow up and be an interpreter mm-hmm. and help end the war. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so even if you're going to you know, depart from what's a perfectly good plot line in the first place, you can make a little nod back to it. You know? he right. No, no. And it could have been found at 8 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you're not going to get any, any uh, <laughs> objection from me on that, right? Okay. Beca- because, right. yeah, totally. Like the nods back to the book while adding something new but not, not straying too far from it. And not screwing yeah. because up Because it story. is mentioned that the war is over, right? And right. so showing how that happened would have been a logical thing to do in an adaptation. Sure. Yeah. yeah. As like the football to, scene. Oh, goodness. Now, come on, you, got, you hated yeah. the football scene. I'm a baseball guy. I blocked yeah. that out of my mind, thank you yeah, very I, much. I had totally forgotten about it. I, so, you would have rather had a Coke it. bottle instead of a Pepsi bottle? Okay, so let's talk about... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, so the we should mention, Coke in, in the Pepsi book, it's like a, a Coke can or a Coke bottle that they find. It's an iron rod. 
It is? Yeah. Oh, goodness. It's an iron rod with an Arabic number on it. In the book, yeah. Yeah. And so oh, then there's okay. a discussion about, you know, where that came yeah. from. Because Jerry doesn't... Um, Davidge wants to leave the island, and, and he thinks Davidge, Jerry thinks Davidge wants to leave the island because he knows there's a human base on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he thinks there's a human base on the planet because he found right. this bar, which did not come from his ship, mm-hmm. with human writing on it. Ah. It's like, oh, you want to go over there so that you can have to talk to your right. friends. And right. Yeah. Um, wow. I, I, for some reason, I thought that they found Coke in, in the book and Pepsi no. in the movie. <laughs> no. No. Nope. It shows you it was done during the 80s. Yes, um, that's true. Yeah. Yes, there was the Earth Drac War, the Cola War, <laughs> the Pepsi Cola War. Yes. Yep. So one, uh, okay, another thing that another real gripe that I have is the little armored critters that get eaten by the Sarlacc Drifid and they can't digest the shell. And yeah. so, so Davidge finds one of those and goes, "These are meteor proof." You know, with no testing, <laughs> nothing, he's just he's just going. Well, they've got to be meteor proof because. Well, how, I mean, how are you expecting to test it though? I mean, seriously. He hits it with a rock. What more do you want? Okay, but but if you're going to collect something to save your life, you're not going to just assume, Uh, right? Presumably save your life. Especially since they end up in a cave later. Like, why not just find a cave? Find the cave first off? Yeah. Um, But, yeah, it it just seemed seemed strange to me. I don't think Mm. they end up in a cave later. In the movie, they do. In the, in the movie, no, no. In the book, they do. But in the movie, no. In the no, movie, they're totally in a big cavern when he when he gives birth. Because their things get their house gets destroyed when the. Uh, the when the Sarlacc creature comes, comes up there, through, right? But Star- that's how that's how he, Jerry is killed in that. No, he's not. No, he's killed in birth. Is he killed? I, I thought birth, he was wounded. During, he was wounded, during, and then yeah, he didn't survive the, yeah. the birth. But so yeah, um, the scene. Uh, you'd mentioned that the slavers arrived, right? And Zamis goes out there, curious, and gets caught. <gasps> Right, right, and and right, he comes right. running through the cave looking for him. Yeah, so he's mm-hmm. definitely in that cavern by then. But yeah. so, I guess it is plausible that on on a planet or a, a stellar body of some kind, where right. there's this frequent meteor shower, which of course would happen at regular times because of you know orbital right. mechanics and that kind of sure. stuff. Sure, if it happened at all, um, it might make sense that one life form on that planet would have evolved a shell that's meteor proof. I guess. Well. One thing right. that, that we haven't mentioned yet is even if the shell is meteor proof, mm-hmm. the things holding it up weren't necessarily whether it's an animal yes. or a bunch right. of branches that mm-hmm. are, that they have things tied to. Yeah, yeah. So eh, it, it's a little crappy yeah. there. But hey, because let's build a right. fort and cover it with these things. That's yeah. So instead of, of going with extreme weather, they're going with meteor strikes because that's more sci-fi. Yeah. Well, so this is another weakness of the movie, right? Is is that in the book they're they're around that water? There's the waves. It is a very clear and present danger. And that is what causes them to form their initial friendship. Or not, not initial friendship, an initial alliance mm-hmm. to survive this. Where in the movie, there isn't really anything. Other, there's the meteor you shower. You get this silly meteor shower. Yeah. Yeah, right. But, but before that, um, I don't see any reason that the Drac keeps him alive after he tries to kill him the first time. I guess just because he was merciful. But he kept him alive, right? And feeds yeah. Him, feed, feeds him the lizard thingy on a stick. Because, yeah. you know, the, 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 space um, herpy. the story is really... The space herpy. <laughs> 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 the, the story's really not much different. Jerry rescues him, yeah, and he didn't have to. Sure, but but then then what happens after with the waves and everything? It requires cooperation for either of them to survive. And I never felt like there was that urgency in the movie. Right. So I didn't buy that Jerry needed him or Davidge really needed Jerry. But although you know, um, Davidge did make good slave labor. That is true. Yeah. So one thing I will say that's a positive, and and it's really both. It's the, it's the book and the film um i think 
and maybe, I want to ask you about the movie, the other movies that you watched. Okay, right. This urgency of survival, right? Having to to join together to survive that takes a relationship between two people from different cultures to a certain point, right? Of necessity, like, well, you're you're not the most objectionable thing in the world, and you're keeping me alive. Therefore, I'm okay with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what takes that friendship to the next level? And in both the book and the movie, it's culture. It's shared culture. It's when Davich volunteers to learn right. from the Talmon, right? Uh, he wants to learn to read the Drac language. That comes later in the book. Well, no, th- so they're already friends, but I feel like what, what really brought them almost as brothers was that shared culture. Yeah, but it starts off with language. Because they're stuck in the capsule, and they begin, talk, they begin teaching each other Earth, yeah, uh, yeah. English, and Drac. Right. And then... Uh, Davidge accidentally asks him to recite his lineage because he's like, you can remember your 200 ancestors yeah, yeah, yeah. and what they did and who they did it with mm-hmm. and, and everything Ooh. about them. And so he does. Yeah. And he ends up picking up more language. And then it gets to the part where I think the, the, seal, the deal is sealed, yeah, yeah. where he asks him about Shuzumat. Mm-hmm. And he says, I can't tell you because you insulted him. And so while I might tell an Earthman, I won't tell you. Yeah, well, and, you insulted Mickey Mouse. And that's where Davidge gets his bacon saved. <laughs> yeah. Well, you insulted Mickey Mouse. And I, I can see the guy writing this, like, well, he has to learn about this, but he insulted the guy, and that would be bad in track culture. So let's give him Mickey Mouse. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just you know, yeah, yeah. throw a bone out there. <laughs> I, I like, I actually, I mean, it's silly, but it also, you know, cultures that are so, so far apart, so distant from each other, there's no way that the Drac could know that Mickey, Mickey Mouse. Mouse really isn't a revered teacher. <laughs> yeah. Right? So, um, so I'm, I'm totally... I'm cool with that. But no, th- that, like that sharing of the culture and, and, and learning the philosophy and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. I think that, that's what took him to that, that brotherhood level. Yeah. Um, that reminds me of 300, when uh, King Leonidas is like, we've been sharing our culture with you all day. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, in my book review thing that I, I posted, I mentioned that a lot of sci-fi authors are very dismissive of philosophy or religion. Yes. Um, and so I, I found it kind of refreshing that there was this <clears throat> kind of positive portrayal of this Drac philosophy and religion right. mm-hmm. um, that, that happened. And I tried, I tried to look up images of the book of the Talmud because I wanted to oh, see the little cube and the script. It, it didn't really look like, like anything. I, I thought it looked – when I first looked at it, I thought, oh, it looks like the Matrix. All I see is blonde, brunette. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that what they were trying right. to get off of his neck when they opened the body bag? Is he had the Talmud? Yeah, I think that's Oh, correct. yeah. Except that at that point – uh, Zamis really should have been wearing it because he was being taught. Yeah, but uh, they Bottles. got separated and all that jazz. So, oh, yeah. well, I see what you're saying, though. Yeah, yeah, good point. Touche. Oh, you were gonna t- about the movies. So uh, yeah, and shared oh, culture, right? Yeah, right? yeah. So so yeah, I wanted to ask you: Does any of that come into Hell in the Pacific or whatever the other one was? In Only the Brave, which stars Frank Sinatra, in which he produced, he wanted to make this story. Hmm. Uh, None but the Brave. None but the brave. Uh, there's a Japanese squadron which has been essentially abandoned on an island. And there is a marine Platoon. transport which is shot down and also lands on the island. And the marines are trying to survive. And the Japanese have been surviving there for a long time. But right. uh, one of their people gets hurt and they want to borrow the marine surgeon. And that's, that's kind of the breaker, right? You guys need water and we control it. And you have a surgeon and this guy that we care about is going to die if you don't operate on him. Mm. And that, that's the icebreaker. Okay. And then their, um, the like shared that. thing they fight against, again, is weather because there's an, an island. There's a huge storm about to hit the island, and they need to barricade in the fresh water supply so it doesn't become tainted and they all die. Mm-hmm. In, in the Lee Marvin movie, Hell in the Pacific, uh, 
there's really not a lot of camaraderie going on almost until the very end of the movie. Hmm. At the at the end, they both know that no matter how much they hate one another, they they have to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is where there's a real big difference between this story and the two movies. The movies end bad. I, if you want to go watch them, I won't spoil them, but Enemy Mine ends up being very uplifting, both sure. in the story and in the movie. Mm-hmm. The World War II movies aren't. The, the point of their... Yeah. I thought the point was made that, you know, because it was so close to World War II mm-hmm. that the point was to say that war was bad. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you share, it's going to end bad. Sure. Yeah. You have to go back to the reality. Right. We're still fighting. We're still fighting. Mm-hmm. I did read, though, about the Hell, uh, Hell in the Pacific one. Mm-hmm. Is that they had no subtitles in that movie? There was um, sub- well, You could turn subtitles on oh, on the DVD okay. that I watched. Right. But maybe in the movie theater. I read that in the original film showing uh, back in the 60s, I guess. They didn't have any any subtitles or dubbing for the Japanese character. Mm-hmm. And it it was meant to reinforce that barrier you have to come over to sure. cooperate. Well, that's, that's reflected in that Star Trek episode, the Darmok one, right? Oh, right. Where, where the universal yeah. translator yeah. works so that he's speaking English, but he says things, you know, Shaka when the walls <laughs> fell. And Picard right. has to figure out how to speak in the metaphors. So, yeah. We didn't have a talk about... How would a language bootstrap itself if you only spoke in metaphors? Sure. Yeah, it doesn't make <laughs> sense, but I still love that episode, so I'm not right. willing to hear any criticism of it. Anything else to talk about about the film? No. Just it's I, rife for remake to do yeah. it right. Call yes. us. We'll consult totally. very inexpensively. I just Actually, hate that, that, that the human pilots showed up at yeah. the end. Like, if right. they had not showed up, I could have been okay with right. that ending. What about future because films? Hmm? Yeah, future fu- films. Well, sequels? No, no, future films. Not, not sequels, but remakes, for lack of a better word. Or Reboots? re-adaptations, I suppose. I don't know. Are, are you saying they're, they exist? No. I'm saying that it would, they, you could make a cool one, I suppose. Yeah, no, I totally think you, you, could, you could remake yeah. this. You could do it more faithfully to yeah. the book and, and have a, a quite different movie. Right. Um, now, I'd rather see it like a, a television miniseries where you have that time to develop. And, I mean, a drama works better on television a lot of times. You'd you have, have to... Well, yeah. If you went beyond the first hour and a half or two hours, I think you'd have to add a lot of material in order to have a... So if the miniseries is right. going to be four or six hours long, sure. I don't know if there's enough material in the base to start with. Right, but you have, you have the major checkpoints in, in the story that you could flesh I out. I think you could pull a good mm. sci-fi drama off with yeah. this. Yeah. I mean, freaking Star Trek did it in our episode. Come on. Yeah, I never <laughs> did it in any of the movies. That's true. <laughs> I made a bunch of sci-fi action movies instead. Yeah. So. Which is oh, I'm sad. sorry. Next Generation movies. The Wrath right. of Khan is awesome. Yeah. So. Touche. I guess what I was thinking of was the... And this was actually before I learned about the World War II movies. I didn't know those existed until we started talking about uh-huh. them. So as I was reading the story, I, I thought of how... Reading the novella, I thought of how this story could be analogous to anything. Yeah. Any wartime-related thing. Sure. And I started, I started thinking about you know the World War II. And then, sure enough, I learned they did that. Mm-hmm. Um but anything, I was thinking something more, they could do something more contemporary where you'd have maybe an American and an Iraqi soldier or something stuck mm. in the desert somewhere. No, they or, did that on Lost, right? Yeah, that's what I was, <laughs> was going to say. Lost has that, has that theme in it in Good certain point. places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Ah, season six of Lost. Where did you go? <laughs> I'm okay with it. <laughs> okay, uh... So we should probably do rankings. Yeah, let's rank them. Go and on. if you've been listening carefully, I don't think there's any surprises Do we here. really need to do rankings? <laughs> All right, on three. Story, Story movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Although, yeah. I'm, I'm going to comment here. I, I love that movie because of the yeah. themes in it and the ones that touched me personally. And I was you know, thinking, you know, this might be the first time I, 
I like a, a movie better than a book. Yeah, yeah. The book is so much better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so much better still. All those things that I love from the movie are in the book. Developed more thoroughly. Right. And, and so when you talk about adapting things, right? So I get attached to stories. Mm-hmm. And once I, once I get attached to the story, I don't necessarily want some things to be changed in yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, that scares me about an adaptation. Hmm. So if right. they, can keep, they can keep the core in there and not muck with that part, you know, better die at 8 o'clock in the morning. That's all I'm saying now. <laughs> they, they, they better have the, uh, the correct invective terms and that kind of stuff. You, if you can't call it, somebody a kisload in the movie, don't make right. it. And if you don't call him Irkman. Right? Irkman. I love that, yeah. actually. Irkman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's a shame because I really do feel like that's a really good performance and, and it had potential. Mm-hmm. But, I, yeah, I think it was good when I was younger. I guess I didn't right. really see it when I was younger. I remember seeing the, the movie cover, but I don't, I don't think I saw it in the theater. So. so we're recording this episode at the end of September. It'll probably get posted somewhere in between the last week of September and the beginning of October, first week maybe. So our next thing that we're going to be reading is going to take place right around Halloween, right? And, and, and nice. recording, well, well recording put. Everything. The next yeah. thing we'll be reading. Oh, see, <laughs> nice. unintentional reference. So James, why don't you put a little Freudian on, slip there, huh? Yeah, on what we're going to be doing for Halloween. All right. Our, uh, <laughs> our next novel slash movie will be The Thing. Yes. Uh, so we've got the movie The Thing, 1980-something with uh, Kurt Russell. The 1951 The Thing, in parentheses, from another world. And then the story, Who Goes There? Right. Are we going to do the uh, prequel? prequel oh, yeah. movie as well? Totally. Three movies. Right. I forgot about that Three one. Movies. Yes, that one will be done as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And I'm just saying, I'm not watching these on my own, dudes. I, <laughs> I need somebody to hold me. Fair enough. So I'm I don't like it. scary movies. So... We're not afraid to hold I'm, each other. I'm We're a little nervous about this. I'm not cuddling ourselves. up with you in an alien space capsule. All right, just so. saying now. I, okay, I just need you guys in the room, okay? This, we can't be watching these like when my family's out of town or anything. Because right. I, I won't sleep a wink. Fair you enough. can crash at my house. All right, sounds there good. You go. So anyway, more of the story of the thing next podcast. Right. So Read who goes it, there? Watch it. Yeah. And it is, again, in real future. So Correct. eventually we're going to be left with like three stories we haven't done and we're just going to have to do them. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and probably a good idea to give early warning that the following episode, the November one, um, is also quite an undertaking because I have selected Invasion of the Body Snatchers, mm, yeah. which is a book called The Body Snatchers or Invasion of the Body Snatchers, depending on what version you get. And then it's two films of that same name from 56 and 78. Right. And then I don't know if we're going to do the, the mid-90s slasher B-movie. Mm. I don't know what it is. Like, it seemed like a B-movie remake called Body Snatchers and right. then The Invasion from like 2007. Ew. So that's, it's wow. a whole novel, which it's not a very long one. I've already no, read it. No, it's not a very long one, yeah. Um, but have you is, read it? No, not I haven't read it yet. Okay, we better yeah. give him until November. But I, did, I have yeah, seen yeah, it though. So, but yeah, I wanted to give any, any listeners out there who want to keep up um, with, in this case, it's mostly the movies, right? Because it's, it's four films. I don't know. I don't know about that 1993 one. It looks like it's just a yeah. movie that's going to have a bunch of blood and boobs. And mm, yeah, and we not, could probably skip really, that one. Yeah. I'll go with the major, like you know, the major notable adaptation, perhaps. Yeah, whatever we deem those are, because yeah. it's our show. Yeah. <laughs> so then we're going to go around again, and when we do have them picked out tentatively, yeah, um, I I ask the guys to to mm-hmm. make their selections, and I did put a blog post up on pavementpodcast.com so if you want to check out what our tentative plans are for season two, uh, you can go check that out, and if you want to leave a comment there and say, hey, before you do that, do Dune. 
or something else, <laughs> uh, then go for it, and and we will be glad to change things up. I think we're pretty solid on the first three selections. Right. At least, well, we're, we're solid at least through October. My solid second selection is totally Total Recall, by the way. It's going to be interesting trying to watch three movies together, though. We're going to do it back-to-back <laughs> as, a, as a marathon. Yeah, we're going to have to figure that out what, would be what as, order we want to do them That would be Brad, in. actually. Chronological. I think we should do chronological. Yeah? Yeah. So read the story. And I totally think we should do it order. back-to-back. We need just a weekend. Oh, like a Saturday marathon. Uh, in October, that won't happen. Okay, Sunday marathon. So... Your assignment for next time is to read Who Goes There by John W. Campbell, Jr. Um, although it says on Wikipedia it was written under a pen name, Don A. Stewart, so you might find it that way. I believe that this story was just given a retro Hugo. Oh. So we'll, we should we'll, find that out. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll follow up on that on next time because that's, that's noteworthy, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, to watch The Thing from Another World, which was originally just titled The Thing, the thing but yeah. they, they, they added the parenthetical. Right. I, it was parenthetical avoid I don't remember it ever being called yeah. From Another World. Yes. <laughs> and then to watch the 1985 The Thing and perhaps the, what, 2011 right. reboot sort mm-hmm. of prequel thingy that yeah. they did for The Thing. So, And that will take you to our next episode. So, And with that, our blessing. Good sir. Yes. Thank you for joining us for the first episode of season number two, and we hope that you will contact us. Let us know you're out there. Give us a rating in the iTunes store. That'd be awesome. Or just go over and find our Facebook page. uh, Search for Pavement Pounders Podcast, and you'll find us. Give us a like, a comment, maybe. But in the meantime, yes, again, thank you for listening, and we will talk to you next time. May May the road rise up to meet you, and may the book always fall open to where you left it last. To where you left off. Yeah, it's close enough. Close enough. I'm yeah. paraphrasing. I'm a four good, hours of good, sleep. A good first attempt at, at coming in because I completely, uh, <laughs> completely whiffed on that one. But I think we're going to go with it. All right. So, Deal. All right. Thank you. Ciao. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye. All right. Colin wears his sunglasses in the podcasting room. Yes. Colin wears the sci-fi is so bright. At night. Jerry, I think we're starting to go crazy. Yeah, exactly. Good news. I'm having your baby. <laughs> Do you understand any English, toad face? Think that's it? Yeah, I just gotta go back and edit out that um.